You ready to smash some meat together until we produce a couple of genuine wrestle boys? Hello, welcome to Genuine Wrestle Boys. Hi. Podcast of four friends, made better friends, so love professional wrestling. I'm Derek. I'm inside. My name is Matt. Count much, Derek? There's only three of us here. Well, I always Count say much? the same thing. That's true. Oh. No matter how many people are in this room. Burger shakes, finger steaks. Yeah. Uh, Zach's that, not here. Is that Big Bun? Yeah, yeah it's from Big Bun. I got a, a Jumbo Coke from Big Bun. I like those places. Big, yeah. big Bun. Uh, yeah, Zach's not here. He's been uh, infli- He's been uh, inflicted with a sickness? Yeah, he's down, down with, with the sickness. sickness. Ooh, yeah. ah, ah, ah. Not sick like Sick Nick Mondo, who we'll be talking about later. Huh? Oh, hell Ooh. yeah. You know what I mean? Foreshadowing. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're listening to the premier professional wrestling podcast on the Ooh. Eavesdrop Podcast Network. Because what's a podcast network without a wrestling podcast? It's true. What is it? Not Nothing. one. Oh, <laughs> motherfuckers. Gotcha. Um. <clears throat> Let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Yeah. Uh, if you want to buy a shirt, go to bit.ly slash merchboys. Um, go to Derek's trunk. Go buy one from my trunk like Street. Matt Melton did today. Street shirts. He came to my came to my trunk. He bought a shirt. Gave G- me gave me money. I gave him shirt. Yeah. I came on your trunk, man. Because <laughs> Matt Melton's dressing up as Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he's going to wear one of our shirts. Oh, Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Good cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can follow us at WrestleBoysCast on Twitter, um, Genuine WrestleBoys on Instagram, and if you would be so kind, please leave us a review at bit.ly slash reviewboys. Oh, do you know how much I would love that? Or if, any of your podcast review or podcatchers app that you use? Yeah, and if it's not through iTunes, let us know because I want to read them. Be nice. I love when people say nice things about us. If you can yeah. say something mean, I got a really good place you can put it. Guess Your what? own ass. Yep. I was going to just say email it to uh, me at soldana.esite.gmail, oh, and nice. then I will reply back with a picture of me flipping you off. Nice. Oh. I have one, I have a stock one of those ready to go anytime. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, do that. Um, listen to a book. Audibletrial.com slash WrestleBoysCast or bit.ly slash suck your own. And uh, speaking of the eavesdrop network, uh, check out a lot of the other shows on this network. Uh, dealing with it, yeah. That, I deal with that podcast. <laughs> if you're looking, if you're looking for another thing to deal with, uh, deal with a new podcast it's called Dealing with It, uh, featuring me and my and the voice of my mom. Less swearing. just the voice, though. Just the voice. Well, yeah, you're not gonna. We're not gonna be with you physically, but we will be with you emotionally and certainly spiritually. <laughs> spiritually, I was about to say something dirty, and I was like, no, it's me, and my mom. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. We're gonna be like totally. Were you gonna say sexually? <laughs> That's what. <laughs> He was initially thinking, but then I was like, that doesn't fit at all. No. That's terrible spiritually. Yeah, just spiritually. (laughs) Platonically. There it is. There it is. Matt's mom has become a great friend of mine. Yeah. Platonically. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) For now. (laughs) Derek, are you my new dad? (laughs) No, but I would be be honored to have a son as well. Well raised as you, but you can that's refer really to him thing. as that's your, a really as kind your, thing to say as as your uncle, <laughs> Uncle Drick. <laughs> um, yeah, check out the other shows on the network. Uh, be kind, the Be Kind Rewind, uh, the Eavesdrop Podcast, which is going through some revamps and it's gonna be really cool. Awesome, um, and it's cool even before the revamps. So, oh yeah, just mm-hmm. imagine how cool it's gonna be going forward. PTO, personal time off. Yeah, never better, overbooked. 
fun and sobriety. Yeah. Diabetes for the soul. It's about people with diabetes. It is. Actually, yeah. it's not. I think it's just the hosts both have diabetes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Check them out. Now let's get into it. Let's get into it. We got so wrestling. much to talk about. So much wrestling happened this last weekend. So the first thing I want to bring up is last week on the show. Yeah. Ooh. I had, Actually, that's what we need to talk about first. I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who submitted um, anything written, recorded, um, sent in anything. Just the response was unbelievable, and we didn't get a chance to hear it until after it was recorded. So going back and listening to everything was fucking cool as oh, hell and man. we really appreciate it seriously seriously i like you know i listened back through the episode and and stuff just because it was really fun to record too and like to to hear and then to hear everybody's submissions and every like the amount of people that reached out to us and just all the perspectives and like just thank you for sharing that with us thank you for answering the call that zach put out and that was just really really cool it's probably one of the cooler things we, we've got to have on this podcast yeah it's definitely one of my favorite episodes and i I'm, I'm just grateful that we can be that kind of outlet for people uh i mean we and just show like the inclusivity that should be there for wrestling because it should be for anybody that is a good kind-hearted person and no matter anything and if you're if you don't believe that Go fuck yourself because wrestling isn't for you. Yeah. yeah. It's, Go listen to Vince Russo's podcast, <laughs> you piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, like there's so many podcasts out there, and we're grateful for the listeners who choose to listen to us because I think we have something different to bring to the table when it comes to inclusivity and allowing other voices besides our own on this show. Yeah. And also, if you ever want to just like reach out and be, and you feel like this would be a good medium for that, let us know. Like yeah. I am so in for – Anybody else, like, legitimate, like, yeah, I told you to suck your own if you don't like it, like like us, yeah. in, in a review. But, you know, what? honestly, send us stuff. Send us, you know, recordings. Send us anything online that our social media outlets. And I just love hearing that stuff. And it's just really cool that a lot of you shared your personal stories with wrestling and with how everything's affected by, you know, just, like, being queer, being bi, being however that you are. It's just really cool to hearing all these stories and different people and perspectives and just showing everybody how important this is and how important representation is and how important wrestling can be for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We love you. Yeah, we do. And hit us up. I mean, if you can just like talk on the show if you want. We don't care. Yeah. yeah. And like some of us like to travel for wrestling shows. And if you're if we're going to be in your area and you don't feel safe at a show, hit us up. We will fucking hang out with you and sit with you and if anybody gives anybody grief i'll fart on them i have no problem using my voice (laughs) and the fact that i am a pretty large kind of threatening looking guy sometimes and shutting people up i've mastered the art of a, a fucking meaningful stare a glare that says hey you knock off your dang crap because yeah. wrestling's for everybody and everybody should feel safe watching a medium that i fucking love yeah yeah and thank you <laughs> and again, thank just, you thank you so, so much. much it's very appreciated um also it just meant a lot yeah it yeah. really did like listening back i was just like man this is cool it's cool yeah and it's fun to have friends it's fun to have wrestle friends yeah um 
this week is going to be a drastic change in pace. Not drastic. That sounds wrong. This is inclusive as well, but in a different way. Yeah, inclusive in a way that some people might not like. This week, um, this week, I I have uh, uh, compiled a presentation for for you guys, uh, uh, and it's about deathmatch wrestling. Nice. Yes, we will get into the death matches. Yeah, about an hour in. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of wrestling to cover. Oh my god, then. so much happened in wrestling. Um, we should mention also a um, pioneer in the podcasting wrestling podcasting world uh, announced that he's going to slow down a little bit, a lot of bit. Yeah, Cole Cabana, one hundred a bit. Cole Cabana's ending is his long running the art of wrestling podcast, nine years strong. Um, one of the first long form interview wrestling podcasts, one of the best wrestling podcasts. I found out about so many people Same. because of his show. Um, he's a very important person. We're going to get deeper on him in a later episode. Yeah. So I said that I was going to wanted to talk about our deep dive, our little segment, whatever the hell you want to call it on NXT, the reality slash game show that they did next week. But instead I am switching gears. Just letting everybody know to Colt Cabin and his impact on wrestling, podcasting, the merch game, and just on everything that is what we are right now. Yeah. yeah. And so we know that right now, as you're listening to this, you're going through the WWE network, watching old NXT game show clips. And we're just encourage you to hit pause on it for now. Um, with it, you can get back to it, but for this we upcoming know it's week, so entertaining. For this Derek Bateman week, is funny in that. <laughs> we'll, we'll just, we'll be covering uh, the beautiful Colt Cabana. Yeah. The first independent wrestler I ever heard about. Uh, just a very, very important guy. And we got a chance to meet him. He You've took a picture with us times, but I've I've shaken his hand. The shirts that you guys are wearing that are essentially from pro wrestling tees. Yeah. Mine's from Orange Cassidy himself. Um, there would be no pro wrestling tees if it wasn't for Colt Cabana. Yeah, thank you for providing the shirt that's on my back. Thank you for providing a way for wrestlers <laughs> to make a decent amount of money through merch sales. And just uh, like I said on Twitter, you can either thank him or blame him. For having got some your ear holes right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we love you, Colt. And I'm going to miss listening to your show. I, that, it's been my Thursday, every Thursday for, I think I came in around episode 50 or so. Yeah. Uh, wow. And so it's been a long time. I used to just, like right when I found out about it too, um, shout out Brady, heaterwrestling.com. Um <laughs> He's like, hey, listen to these. And I'm like, okay. And I did. And then I would just sit and play NBA 2K and just have that going. Yeah. And I went back through episode one, then I caught up. Wow. Yeah. So thank you, Colt. Yeah. Uh, let's get into Fight for the Fallen, AEW's third show? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. There's another one oh. that we did not talk about, The Evolved Show 2. Oh, Put that on yeah. the list. We're going to have to talk about that because I watched it too. Okay. I watched so much stuff. Jenna, I think, hates me. Thank God you're here. <laughs> I was watching some hardcore bands. I didn't watch anything. Yeah, you were in, oh, uh, yeah. Los, got, you were in Los Angeles, Los brother. Ang yeah, I asked if we could go to Broken Skull Ranch, and all my friends said no. What? Also, I don't think you could Google Broken Skull Ranch and find it. Get so. down to 316 Gimmick Street. Um, I did shake Brody King's hand. Very, very nice dude. How's that handshake? <laughs> very firm. firm. Just got announced today as the 14th entrant in the Battle of the Los Angeles Tournament. Or PWG. Is that watchable? Oh. Like, what do you mean? Like, on... on. Is it, like, recorded streaming? and, and, and It's not going to be streaming. PWG doesn't stream. Okay. But when it comes out, Brady will definitely have it, and 
we will watch it because Bola is by far one of the best fucking weekends. Hell yeah. Uh, Birdie King was doing uh, front flips into from the stage onto a bunch of people. Sentons. Front flip stage dives. <laughs> I wanted him to do a moonsault real bad, but he didn't. He's a big boy, and that dude can move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He can. He could have hurt people if he wanted to. He's toned down his moshing because he knows how strong he is. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fight for the fall. Let's get into Let's it. Get right into it. First match: Sunny Kiss defeated Peter Avalon. Uh, this librarian thing is sucks. It's, I'm, I'm cold on it. I don't like it very much. I think everybody's cold, cold on it, and like that's kind of the gimmick. Yeah. Like I'm like they're getting heat. People are being a little gnarly about it. I don't know. Let's see how it all. You know, plays like, out. Like I said, I think it's the gimmick now. Like they're trying to do it, and this will come back um, later on when we talk about the rest of Fight for the Fallen. Um, sometimes it seems like the like the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny and all these guys are kind of just trying to all the pop themselves. Yeah, and it, everything just seems like a an inside joke or a ha ha moment where, like, when you're getting onto a national TV circuit. Not the best thing to do, like on a YouTube show where you can do that. That's one thing. But like you're about to be on TNT and these little inside jokes and funny things that, yeah, your hardcores that are showing up for Fight for the Fall In or watching Being the Elite, they're going to, for the most part, enjoy. I mean, even this is missing with a lot of that crowd. Yeah. Um, You're going to be just turning off a lot of casual fans who are going in there looking for what is right now being talked about as a sport it's going to be more sports oriented. And then here's the fucking librarians. Yeah. And where it's like Peter Avalon and Leva Bates, I, for all I know, they could be great. I don't know. Peter Avalon's fine. And Leva Bates is a good character worker. Yeah. And so, but like all of that is just being sort of like, uh, overshadowed by a gimmick that is really not a joke. Yeah. It's landing like a wet fart. Yeah. Wet fart. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Like a wet fart in church. (laughs) Yeah, it's just bad, but Sunny Kiss rocks. So Sunny Kiss is very yeah. athletic. Yes, and the splits that they did off the top rope, like that would like my legs would have fallen off. Yeah. Uh, be a Priestley. Be Priestley. Be Priestley. Who's like the Stardom champion? Okay, mm. and Shoko Nakajima yep. defeated Britt Baker. Or oh, sorry, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and Riho. So. The first thing that B Priestley did in that match was concuss the fuck out of Britt Baker. Well, oh, that was in the beginning. Yeah, that was the first spot she did. Damn. Yikes. And so I thought this match was rough. I thought it was actually really rough. Um, I thought that um, everybody was giving a lot of praise for B Priestley for being like, oh, she's hitting hard in this, but there's a point like when you give somebody a concussion on your first move that it's like, Maybe he shouldn't be as rough because, like, let's say Ishii, he hits hard, but it's safe. Right. It doesn't hurt people. This hurts somebody. And it's not something where I don't think that somebody should be praised for that kind of style, which I love that style. But, ugh, yeah, just knock somebody. I know, like, people got on Brie Bella really bad really mm-hmm. quickly for something like this. And just because she is Brie Bella... And there wasn't the and Nia Jax for the kind of the same thing. Yeah. And then nope, like you didn't really hear as much about that. It just it just wasn't and that kind of really derailed the match because Britt was out on her fucking feet. Yeah. She tried to make a tag to the wrong person. Oh no. Um 
and then the rest of the matches didn't feel like it was running the way it should. No, and then when you see something like that, and you see somebody is like working on an like with an injury right there, and like working in a way that it's like that should probably stop the match. Like it takes any excitement of the match out because you're just worried, you know? Yeah, you see that kind of glossy eyed look, and you're like, "Ooh, she's not okay." Like, I don't want this to keep going. Yeah, and then I uh, thought. Um, B's partner, who was that? Was the Tokyo Joshi Pro champion? Yeah, was Shoko name? Nakajima. Nakajima, yeah. I wanted to like her more than I did. I felt like she was a bit off too. I felt like, and it, and it doesn't. She, she seemed more character driven than wrestling driven. Yeah, to me. And it just seemed um, with the whole thing is that with the concussion that happened, with that kind of confusion, it just seemed also that it was all their first times, like in the ring together, mm-hmm. and that they. Um, had probably gotten in the day before didn't have really a chance to get a feel for each other so it just it just you could kind of feel that yeah because even like the springboard dive that b Priestley did um it that looked like the like you're kind of just jumping into a pool yeah <laughs> instead of like a like a cross body or a clothesline yeah. or anything um stuff like that just really stuck out to me and Britt baker i think is really good mm-hmm. uh, she's a lot more smooth but obviously she was concussed um Rio looked like okay but yeah. again it just she seemed everybody just seemed a bit off i think the whole match it probably takes two got a to little, tango right you can't be a great wrestler by yourself yeah and i'm not gonna just trash b Priestley at all because i felt like i've seen like her do a lot better like in stardom but that's where she's gonna be more comfortable with people she's worked with people she works out with daily over there in japan so i just felt this one just was a, it's a little rough yeah yeah um NJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears defeated Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. I have this has been a thing I've probably said before. I love that the outsiders or spooky looking characters are the good guys. Like yeah. the Undertaker, he's a good guy. Kane is half and half. Well, he's a libertarian. <laughs> I feel like Darby Allen's going to be a big star. The stuff with uh, Sean Priest, I kind of like. Sean, Sean Priest, the drummer for The Deep. Uh, uh, the stuff with, no, I, I want to talk about local band The Deep. Uh, Sean, the corpse, brother. Sean Spears with the fucking uh, um, like the chairman gimmick. I, I dig it. But like, it's these three pretty boys against these three fucking weirdos. And it's just... It's funny that they're the good guys. Yeah. Um, and they're clearly the good guys. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, it's kind of a little bit more the like, oh, here's like Joey Janelle, just like your fucking party boy. Your party fucking gross dude yeah. who's getting in fights at a Blink-182 concert, which they referenced. Yeah. Hell which yeah. was great. And then he fucking, he told Jim Cornette, like, he's like, fuck you, Cornette, into the camera. Into the camera. Which was great. Yeah. Big Janela fan. Yep. And I also like that. Even though, like, Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen are both, like, the weird, like, people either probably call them, like, the goth or punk ones or whatever, they, like, were kind of infighting, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, showing, hey, even though, like, oh, people would be like, oh, they're, like, the same guy. Like, no, they're, like, they're having some tension. Yeah, for sure. And it was setting up stuff between Sean Spears and MJF in there, and too. I really liked that because it's, like, yeah, if you throw three heels together, they're not going to work together. And especially because, like, the gimmick is that MJF is kissing Cody's ass, like, the entire time. And so, like... And Sean, and Sean Spears opened the back of Cody's head up. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that they sacrificed what they did with Darby Allen. Yeah, that for match... For the Sean Spears thing. Yeah, that time limit draw match with Cody and Darby was is worth talking about. But it got completely overshadowed by uh, Sean's 
chair shot. Yeah. And then it, then it gets overshadowed because now Sean Spears beat him. And they essentially sacrificed what they built up for Darby to be like, now Sean Spears and be like, well, I beat Darby out and you couldn't beat him. Well, mm-hmm. and if wins and losses matter, it seems like Janela should have lost this. Yeah. That'd have been fine. It does. He take he, a pin. He doesn't need a fucking win. Yeah. No. Uh, Brandy Rose, uh, with Awesome Kong defeated Allie. Bad match. Yeah. That's just like did yeah. did Awesome Kong was she wrestling or no. was it Brandy Rose? So this is the one I stopped watching because I had a bunch of other stuff to catch up on. Yeah. Um. Wasn't good. Allie is good when she has a good partner to work with, a mm-hmm. good dance like partner. AJ? If you will. What? Like oh, Ali and AJ? Yeah, you I don't know what that you. is. I got you. It's like it was like a Disney thing uh, at one point, little after our time. I shouldn't know. <laughs> I shouldn't know the reference, but your I've mom watched was every a, episode of iCarly. So your mom was a daycare, like runs a daycare. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I've seen every episode of Blue's Clues. Yeah, so and Dora the Explorer taught me Spanish. Hell yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I just thought it wasn't good. Brandy, yeah. I don't think is good. She came off like in like one night, like. Like Stephanie McMahon and Shane McMahon. And I know. Like, the, the promo, I liked the video package leading up to it of her tell, talking about her career in ice skating and like that whole, like, I gave up on myself. I'm not doing that again. Like, character wise, it was interesting. It's like such a babyface promo. That's why I was confused because I'm like, character wise, that's a really good babyface thing. But she's been playing that her role in, in the company so far as the heel. Like, pitting people against each other, adding awesome Kong into that match at double or nothing, like without any notice, like that stuff that is like heel against the other women in this division. And so for this big baby face promo, and then for her to work the match heel, I'm like, well, that doesn't quite uh, make uh, to me. I didn't, I, this whole match and the it, angle kind of just felt mute. After it, it, it missed character wise for me. I mean, Allie's a, a good baby face. She's all peppy and bubbly. And like I said, she's usually a lot better in the ring when she has a better uh, person to work against, better opponent. Uh, Brandy, like, you know, hasn't been wrestling for very long. Yeah. And it just, it seemed, and I saw this on Twitter and I agreed with it. It seemed like a, like a 2010 WWF Divas match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, hopefully. It looks like it's going to Awesome Kong with Brandy versus Aja Kong who came out to. Oh, that was cool. Who came out to uh, stand up to Kong and Rhodes? Yeah, that was really sweet. And so it'll probably be the tag team of Awesome Kong and Brandy versus Ali and Aja Kong. So you can have the Kongs face off, but then not have to work like a, a huge long match because I think, especially if, uh, where both of them are at in their careers and with their bodies, I mean, poor Aja Kong can barely fucking walk. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be good to have them with a tag team partner. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, um, that's, hopefully they can. Kind of rein some of this stuff in where, you know, maybe Brandy doesn't need to be the good guy here and we see this on the show and then she's the bad guy here and we see this on the show. Like, it's try con- to have continuity little... is important. You and know. if you're, you're trying again, run like sports and run like it's a little bit more like with that continuity, it's mm. hard when you get like, oh, here's the baby face there handing over this check for $150,000 and. She, you know, was trying really hard yeah. for ice skating, gave up on that, and she's not doing it again. That's a great baby face, but then her character is this other thing. It's very Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not the best thing. Yeah. But maybe it's purposeful. 
I don't. Th- and they're just ribbon. Maybe but I don't think they're ribbon because we'll get to it at the end of it. Okay. Yeah. Because it also seems like I was something I really like about what they're doing is giving us a peek behind the curtain at the actual people because that's who you really root for. That's who you really care about. You know, and the character is great. But you care for the people, and I care for Brandy Rhodes as a person. Brandy sure. Runnels. Runnels, sure, as a person. Uh, but as the character, I'm confused by it. You know, and and in mixed with with the match is just like it kind of fell yeah a little flat we'll just get into it now um so like at the end like you have the bucks and the brotherhood and then they're like then putting each other over like nothing really mattered mm-hmm. in the match so they could all get that big pop for the check and cody can make a a snide comment at wwe and kenny yeah. can say his thing it's like the show is still running like it's cool to do this for your youtube show uh-huh. to get a peek behind the curtain but like, I guess between in the context of this is the wrestling show of AEW, yeah, and you're trying to make it this certain brand and thing, having you come out so you can get your praise and get your this and that as, like, um, as like actual like Cody and as mm-hmm. actual like Matt and Nick Massey, not like it's like I liked it, it at Double or Nothing when the cameras well, went off and they came out and did yes, all that stuff. yeah. When you see it live, it's cool. And he did say something. I think it was a Cody who was on camera was like, and he might have just been like fucking kayfabe in it, but it was like, I don't know if we're still on the air, but I'm just gonna say this anyway, you know. So I, I think maybe he thought it was off, but if it, but they do this every show, yeah, and, it's, and it shows. Mm-hmm. Like the last two shows, that they show it, and it's like, I understand like wanting to like make sure and get over the fact, hey, you know, they raised money for a really good cause. Yeah. But then when you have somebody that's supposed to be heel there and Brandy, you have two teams that just fought. I mean, you have all the, these other things going on, like and going in there to give the raw, raw speech at the end. And like I said, for Cody to get his comment, like snide comment, it in. takes some of that legitimacy out of like the sporting element of it. And, the whole and thing. it just takes like the suspension of disbelief and it just like throws it away. And that that's like what people get mad about with like a lot of wrestling. And, and I agree because it's, it's like, hey, you know what? And on Monday Night Raw, you don't want Finn Balor to be in there with fucking, let's just say, Andrade. But then afterwards, like, they go to the back and you see Fergal and Manny just cracking, hanging out, beers, cracking beers and be like, oh, no, we're actually cool, man. It's like, oh. Like, people harp on WWE for stuff yeah. like that, especially, like, I bring up Stephanie McMahon. Nick, you have her there in, like, all these promotional public relations videos. And then she's like, my father's ringing <laughs> out. It just it it brings you out of the moment. And you're like, yeah, yeah. This has been the Jim Cornette moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't say anything bad. <laughs> no. I, that's true. No, I because I sometimes the one of the things that Jim Cornette always talks about that like I'm like I don't like this guy very much, but I agree with him is is kind of that sentiment of like if you're gonna be putting on a show and a product, uh, keep that continuity there. Keep keep the the idea consistent. You know, it's just imp- like yeah. in the, it's important. The- it's important and it's fun for a fan. It to stay in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In the middle of fucking Independence Day, you don't want Will Smith and the actor in the fucking alien suit to come out and be like, no, nah, we're actually buds. We're just going to smoke a cigarette together real quick. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had the next match. Uh, the Dark Order defeated Angelico and Jack Evans. And is this their real name? A boy and his dinosaur. Yeah, that's what yeah. they were called on that's like twice. Fucking sick. With they, uh, Marco Stunt. With Jungle Marco Boy Stunt. and Luciosaurus with Marco Stunt. I'm glad that I think Marco Stunt might be signed. I love that. Marco Stunt is so fucking great. And a really nice dude. Yeah. Yeah, just a sweet little rug rat. I want him to be on our show before he blows up. 
Well, I bet he would. I bet he would. If anyone out there knows Marco's son, uh, we'll just email him. He probably has his email on his Twitter. Never mind, y'all. We'll do the work. Yeah, fuck (laughs) y'all. Um, I thought it was great. It really made um Marco and uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus all seem like huge stars. Yeah. Uh, Jack Evans and Angelico are both just unfucking real good and older than I thought they were. They're like. Luchasaurus is no, uh, 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 oh, Jack Angelico Evans? And, yeah. and Jack Evans. Oh yeah, they've been around forever because they've been in Mexico. Yeah, they look like young. They move like they're real young. Um, the Dark Order does a lot of cool stuff, but like I think since people still don't know necessarily who they are, who may not have been like fans of independent wrestling back in like 2010 and 2011, yeah. and watched like those PWG matches they had as the Super Smash Bros. This was my first uh, like exposure to them. It's hard for people to get this grasp of who they are. Yes, and so it and like the, the minion stuff is cool. Uh, and like in, Min- in I ring- love minions. Which one's your favorite? <laughs> the ones that are all like mm, banana. I don't fucking. Know. I never. I I haven't seen the movies, but I know they like bananas. <laughs> uh, but I I liked them. I liked them. They were great. But definitely character wise, it's still like what the fuck is this? Uh, but it's it served a purpose later too because you had all those minions out, and then later, you know, we can get into it, but. Jericho came out dressed as a minion and that's yeah, later on. But I thought uh, Jungle Boy Luchasaurus they came off as huge stars. Dude, a They're, boy and his dinosaur. What that's a such fucking... a good name. Lu- uh, Luchasaurus is gonna be a really cool uh, character, and I think he's gonna get over even big because I mean that fucking standing moonsault that how tall he is. Yeah, unreal. And then Jungle Boy, he's so young, mm-hmm. they, so athletic. They protect him so well. He's a good looking. He's a good looking kid. They fucking struck. Gold with yeah. him. Adam Page defeated Kip Sabian. So this match went like ten minutes longer than it should. Yeah, have. Nineteen minutes. I agree. It Jesus. was long because Adam Page is going for your world title, mm-hmm. and he is fighting the guy who won on the pre-show match of uh, Double or Nothing. Yeah, and yeah, that's fine. That like you know, make sure and get Kip Sabian something to you know make him look good, but. You have the guy going for the world title against Chris Jericho at your next huge show. You should not be going 20 minutes, like 50-50 with Kip Sabian. Yeah, yeah. like it was cool for Kip Sabian, but at the same time, it's like he, it doesn't feel like he's at that same level. And and uh, I appreciated seeing um, like uh, Hangman sell that knee. But I'm also like, is he really? He's for he's shoot working through an injury, right? Or is he just selling? This is all work. That's crazy. He's really good at selling. Because <laughs> I was like, man, he yeah, he better be careful with that knee coming into a big old match next month. Yeah, but Jericho's actually gonna hurt it. Yeah, and right. like, it just makes it seem like you're, they're kind of showing their hand, if you will, mm. for this next this next match. It's like they're showing that Chris Jericho's on a different level than Adam Page and. That like he's gonna win the title, yeah. Because I mean, when you go twenty minutes with Kip Sabian, <laughs> no offense to Kip, I think he's good, but just that they're definitely they should be at different levels, right? They the should card. be. They should be. And but I mean, overall, if we just talk about in a bubble, the wrestling was fine. It was mm-hmm. good. Adam Page is really good. He's big. He's athletic. Handsome guy. Jericho, Jericho showed up as a minion and, and beat the him. fuck out of him. Attacked that, him. That fucked his eye up. Fucked him. He got him. He fucked him with his the, elbow. The Judas yeah. effect? It was the Judas effect, yes. dude. And it fucking wrecked him. Was it a, It wrecked him. Was it effective? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty 
effect. Yeah. Lucha Brothers defeated SoCal Uncensored. It was good. It was a good match. The best the takeaway from the whole thing was Lucha Brothers challenged the Bucks to a ladder match at All Out. And Scorpio Sky is really good. Scorpio Sky is really I good. I think yeah. this one highlighted He's the younger him. one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Frankie Kazarian also is like one of those guys who just is really good at getting other people over. Yeah. And I mean, we will sing the praises of Lucha Brothers all the time. I love them. Phenomenal. They're so good. But I, I felt this really kind of helped highlight Scorpio Sky a little bit more, which is great. Yeah. And I think everybody got over in this match. Um, and then they challenged them to the Young Bucks to a ladder match for the AAA Tag Team Championships. At all out. The, do the Bucks still have it? No. Lucha Brothers do. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kenny Omega defeated Shima. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I Kenny Omega is fantastic. Uh, this was my first real exposure to Shima, other than like the the six man uh, at. Uh, Did you watch Triple him versus uh, Chris Daniels at the last show? Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess this is my second. This was like the first time where I was like really attentive on him, I guess. And that match was so good. This was Kenny's best match since Tanahashi. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sick. It was a Kenny Omega Shima match. If you've ever watched. Any Shima before, like in Dragon Gate, PWG stuff, they fucking go and they win for it. Awesome match. It was can't sing its praises enough. Kenny Omega looked great. He's dropped like ten pounds of muscle, so he's yeah. moving a bit a bit more smooth. Whereas like at his like last run in New Japan, he was getting real bulky. Yeah, so I think he was trying to like make sure and look like a heavyweight. Well, yeah, doesn't necessarily matter here. Looked good. Great match. Just great fucking match. That's it. Yeah. The one with the one winged angel. I loved it. Yeah. I got nothing bad to say. <laughs> and then the Young Bucks defeated the Brotherhood. This was a super fun match, but like definitely from what I could tell, like it, it was an indie match. They had a lot of choreographed spots. Yeah. A lot of stuff that looked uh you know, hastily um, you know, rehearsed. So, oh, so it, it was a Young Bucks match? It was a little sloppy, but it was fun. Yeah, it was a Young Bucks match. <laughs> um, I felt they should have switched that match with the Kenny and Shima I think so, match. too. I think so, too. Um, well, I would have assumed – I didn't watch it. I was trying to catch up on a lot of other things. I would assume they would have added a lot more story to it, especially with Cody and Dustin. Well, so and... there was a lot of callbacks to different things, like – The older brother thing. The, uh-huh, like that the... seemed like the, like one of the only like things they really kept going back to was the older brother. Yeah. But, like – the Cody Dustin match will go down in history as one of the best storytelling matches of all time. That's in my I, opinion. I, oh, I think no matter what Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Runnels does after uh, Black Rain Seven, yeah. Gold Dust, Artist Formerly Known as Gold Dust, whatever he does going forward, I think the. I mean, maybe it's off on a limb to say, but I think he will be re- his legacy will be remembered ending with that match with his brother. Yeah, and I just I assumed that they would add a lot more storytelling into this match. I don't know. Yeah, and it like I I agree, especially with kind of how they're trying to play it up. Um like, you know, brothers versus brothers and all this other stuff. It just didn't seem it was good. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was really good. Not to take away anything from the match, but coming off of that Kenny and Shima match and then going down to a little bit, yeah, they slow it down a little bit. Then they start hitting the spot, 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 spot. Yeah, it was just a different style of match. And then with everything that had gone on, um, you just like with Dustin and Cody before, um, and then with like even like the Bucks before against like the Lucha Bros, it just seemed like it fell a little bit short. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just felt 
that they can or will like they probably will do a lot better job with some of the stuff. I just felt like this one was really good, but I felt it could have been great. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, right there at the end of the show, things kind of not fell apart, but got rushed. I think the, the bucks got cut off really quick. They seemed like a little awkwardness, you know, I mean, some, they, they're still new at this and like, I don't know. I kept, there was a few times during the show that I kept having to remind, not having to remind myself, but was saved by that. I'm like, this is a benefit show. This is a charity show. You know, like this isn't all out. This isn't double or nothing. Uh, you know, like this, I'm curious to see once TV starts, like how they run their programming. Cause this show was, it was a fun show, but a lot of it was like not super cohesive. Yeah. And it was a free show. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. There, I can't really do much complaining. They came out, presented the check. Uh, yeah. Cody talked a little shit on WWE. Uh, Kenny did his thing. Um, I like, he, he was like saying, you know, I'm not going to do the normal thing because of doing bang, you know, good night bang at this gun violence benefit show would not be appropriate. So I did boing. <laughs> it was fun. It's like, Goodbye, having... good night boing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just fun. Uh, good show. Nice. All uh, right. Should we do an abridged version of the other? Yes. That we're happened? talking about extreme rules <laughs> semi quickly. Uh, no, only important. Get into it. No, um, we're shit. getting into it. No, we're not. We are getting into it. <laughs> no, but before we get into extreme two rules, against one. Before we get into extreme rules, um, I want to just kind of glance over the evolve show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened at the same time as uh, Five for the Fallen. I watched it after um, when I got home from Brady's house, skaterwrestling.com. Um, I just felt that the Austin Theory match was really good. That dude's young. He's going to be a fucking superstar. He's fucking buff, dude. And he is doing the right things by staying in Evolve, sticking with them, saying that he wants to be in WWE. He's going to be a fucking star. Paul Heyman announced that match as far as oh. uh, for the contestants in there. That's awesome. Um, I thought that uh, Akira Tozawa versus Adam Cole was fucking fantastic. Um, and Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak was also fan-fucking-tastic. And then Shotzi Blackheart almost fucking died. Wow. She did a dive through the ropes um, into some chairs, and it looked horrifying. I will find the gif and tweet it out again. But, oh, my God, watch it. It was a good match, too. Um, I can't for the life remember her phone. Brandy Lauren, maybe? Mm. Something like that? I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't keep up with Evolve as much as I should, but I thought it was a great show overall. And Matt Riddle versus Drew Gulak is a that's technical just, wrestling match fan's dream. That's awesome. It was Hell great. yeah. Uh, Austin Theory is somebody that uh, I first saw on that uh, the, Vice, wrestlers? the Vice Land of Wrestlers and then looked into some more of his stuff. Yeah, like just for how young he is, that guy's going to be a massive star. Good mm-hmm. looking kid, strong, seems like he had a pretty good head on his shoulders. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah, there's a few things from Extreme Rules we should definitely spend some oh, time yeah, on. Oh, yeah, but not all of it. God, no. Uh, Nakamura defeated Finn Balor on the pre-show. Yeah, that's fine. Finn Balor has asked for some time off from yep. WWE, and I think he okay, deserves it. Is it. I've I've run a bunch of dirts. Is it happening now or after SummerSlam? I think now because he's already back in Ireland. Okay, because what I was reading was saying that uh, Bray Wyatt is going to go over him at SummerSlam, and then that's going to be his time off. Yeah, it might be possible. I, I I think that. That may have been just been people speculating because of what happened on Monday. Yeah. But I think that with um, him already going back to Ireland, I think that was actually the way to write him off TV. Okay. And then okay. when he comes back, you have like a a feud automatically there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope some time off kind of reinvigorates him. I hope it kind of 
uh, absence will make the heart grow fonder for WWE and give him well, some, you know. Well, he was just Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, but, but what I, does that mean anymore? It, it's a great title to hold, but the, the run he had with it wasn't anything to, to how, make note of. How many times did he wrestle with it? It's. I mean, it's fine. I mean, he's the inter- he was the Intercontinental Champion, especially with a lot of fans' minds. They remember it as the Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, like, workhorse title. They made sure and put that over in the pre-show match as well. Nakamura does have it now, and it looks like they're setting up a feud with Ali, which should be – Which is great. Fucking awesome. Yeah, that's um, good. That championship should have a feud. Yeah, because pe- people are kind of think that people get buried because they're, like, on a certain level in the card. And, yeah, I think that he should be in the world title picture too. But at the same time, he was he does get featured. Yeah, with the way they're doing the wild card rule, people like kind of get lost in the shuffle at times. Yeah, but I think he's he's fine. He just wants to recharge his batteries. Dude's been going hard for a while. Yeah, yeah. He wants to play with some Legos. Can no, I, I think that. he's actually uh, he wants to go play with his uh, fiance. Oh, I think it's like officially engaged now. Nice. Ooh. Drew Gulak defeated Tony Nese. Great match. Yeah, it was really. They good. were in Philly. And so, a hometown of one Mr. Drew Gulak. Gulak. And so, it was awesome. Great match. The Undertaker and Norman Reigns defeated Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Best Taker match in years. Oh, my God. He looked fantastic. Super surprised that this match was uh, jerking the curtain, brother. <laughs> I, I love that it was because, number one, it gets the crowd hot. It gets them ready for something for Taker. Number two... um, it gets if it's a if it's a stinker, let's just say it gets it out of the way. That's what I. That's the that they were like. This is the first match. I'm like, they don't have high hopes for this. But I was blown away by Taker's performance. Uh, I did not. I haven't watched the match yet with Goldberg uh, in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> but I heard it was bad. And I, I think whatever that was, this was a redeemer for him. I think he came out with something to prove, and I think he did a good job proving it. And I think they want him to wrestle a little bit more, and I think he wants to. Cause yeah. he really, I think he actually wanted this match because he wanted to get that like image of him as like, like I still fucking got it. And I think with him wrestling a bit more, it helps keep everything like moving. Like his, he still has that quote unquote wrestler like uh, callus on you. Like they say that you build that up from taking bumps and moving in the ring. And so like yeah, when he hit true. the ropes, he was hitting them hard. I'm like, that's the fucking ticker hitting the ropes. I remember. And yeah, he was doing old school. I mean, he was like, he like was when really he threw the it. big boot after Snake Eyes, that yeah. boot actually got up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, it was it was really really cool to see that. I think everyone did good. There was a well, the match was like like it was a the fucking six years long. Yeah, seventeen it, minutes. It was long, and it was a no holds barred match that didn't really showcase a lot of no holds barred. Uh, yeah. No, there no was, bards. Wasn't, were a, wasn't a lot of wrestle. I mean, like uh, uh, wrestling with weapons. But it did a job at the end of it. Like Taker, he they fucking won. They made both of them look good. The image of also Drew. Like, oh, that was like cinematography like, dude. coming like, up at, like behind Taker and like popping up. And you just see his fucking angry face. And yeah, then Taker's ro- doing that thing where he rolls his eyes in the back of his head and sticks his tongue out. And then like you just see Drew rise up behind him. And then as he runs to Claymore him, like out of nowhere, uh, fucking Roman Reigns spears the shit out of Sick. Drew. It was, it was really – it was awesome. It was like – also sets up like Drew versus Taker for later. Taker did not drop Drew right on his head and neck. Nope. It was in that tombstone. It was great. It was and good. And at the end of it they gave Roman the rub and Roman uh Taker told Roman this is your yard. Ooh. And so there it is. Yeah, Roman's been not Roman's been getting getting over. I 
if they leave him in the position that Taker w- had been in for so many years, where every now and then you get a little title run ski, but for the most part, you're he's just the cool guy who's hanging out. Give him that, and I think people will accept him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Revival defeated the Usos for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Great match. That's all I could say. Really good. <laughs> just a good tag team match. Like, there's literally nothing that you can really, like, break down more than a solid tag team wrestling. Next. Yeah. I, to me, it was one of those things, too, where um, I feel like even though they're, WWE is, like, really not acknowledging AEW and la, 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 I, I think these wrestlers are trying to compete with each other. I think the Revival if I had to guess, they know what the Bucks want to do with tag team wrestling and AEW. And I think they want to show like the better tag team. Yes. I think they want to compete from afar mm-hmm. with the young Bucks. I miss when the team name used to be in NXT, the mechanics. The mechanics. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good. Were, were they actually mechanics? No, but for some Aww. reason when Scott Dawson like first showed up in NXT and I think Sylvester LaFour was his manager, he carried on like barbecue sauce. Sick. I get it. JR's? With JR's barbecue sauce. Uh, Casey Masterpiece. <laughs> Bubba Stubbs. <laughs> um, Alistair Black defeated Cesaro. Great fucking match. Yeah. These two should wrestle every night, and I'd watch it. Yes, it was awesome. They, they just put that on TV every night. I'd be like, well, time for the Alistair Cesaro. <laughs> yeah. 48. Uh-huh. It was oh. awesome match. Alistair won. He needed to win. Didn't make Cesaro look like a geek. Made him look strong and just made Alistair just look like a dude. So strong, dude. When Cesaro's just straight up catching Alistair out of midair, just like goddamn, dude. Uh, Bailey defeated Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. That was cool. Um, Bailey won. That's the only thing I cared about in this match. I I was also making food during this, Mm -hmm. so I I didn't watch a lot of it. But Jenna said it was fine. I liked it. It was yeah, I liked it. I think. Um, I think the purpose of this match was for Bailey to win and then keep sort of planting the seeds of the divide between uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki. And they did that. You know, like when they lost together, there wasn't any tension, but you could see that Alexa was like uh, a little bit pissed at her. And it was good character stuff. The match was fine. I was half expecting Sasha to show up because of all this stuff. And I'm kind of glad that she didn't, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of glad it went the way it did. Yeah, Bailey standing her own two fucking feet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Braun Strowman defeated Bobby Lashley. This was fine, I guess, for what it is. Just two big, beefy boys. Uh-huh. They brawled in the crowd a lot. Uh, Braun and uh, fucking Bobby went off something tall and landed on a crash pad. And uh, fucking Braun Strowman Kool-Aid manned his way out of the uh, whatever box they jumped into <laughs> to win the match. They will say I did love when he did that because I'm like, I'm like, he's, like, right when they hit that thing and I saw the whole weird setup, I'm like, that's like an entrance way to get into the fucking arena. Uh-huh. Like he's busting through that. Dude, well, and then he's like, Rawr! the second they showed the ref counting, even though he could not see in that box at all, he's just standing on the floor. I'm like, something's going to happen because we can't see shit right now. My mom says the pizza rolls are done. <laughs> <laughs> the New Day defeated Daniel Bryan and Rowan and Heavy Machinery. Probably, well, not the surprise of the night, but uh, that it was not what I was expecting. I was happy with it, though. The New Day fucking crushed it. Now they're like the, the faction that has all the gold in, uh, on SmackDown. They Hell yeah. have gold. And now they have it. AJ Styles defeated Ricochet. Um, I, I like this because it's going to play into like furthering the feud. Yeah. Because um, it was through some chicanery yeah you have the club out there causing distractions costing ricochet the match uh you know you need to have them look credible and it did um it also made ricochet look like a credible like opponent as well 
They were awesome together. They are great wrestlers. I want to see them keep fighting. It also helps bring out a bit of an edge in Ricochet and show that he's not going to give up. And they're playing him up like this superhero. And, and like his big tagline now is superheroes are real. They're pushing that super hard on commentary. Oh, it's like a superhero. Is a distant, like whatever. And then this is perfect because what happens in these movies? Like there's always like the bad guy looks like he's about to get one up on him. The superheroes in his shit place. And then all of a sudden comes back, comes back. Everyone cheers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then the uh, he's just out drinking coffee. And he's like, "Is that him?" <laughs> the power violence equivalent to a wrestling match. Kevin Owens defeated Dolph Ziggler in 17 seconds, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, it was, it was when they announced this match. I'm like, "Oh no!" Um, I just, there's just so many matches already. It was the best match that they could have done. Uh huh. Yeah, like I think Ziggler maybe slapped <laughs> Owens right from the get go, and then just kicked to the gut. Stunner. One, two, three. Grabs the mic. Shane McMahon kissed my ass. Good night. And that was. That was great. I love him. Kevin owns forever. Yeah, he's fantastic. He is the next Stone Cold Steve Austin in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, Kevin or Kofi Kingston defeated Samoa Joe. I was expecting more out of this match, but liked it. I liked it. I like how strong they're selling that trouble in paradise. I thought that Kofi looked fantastic in the match. I thought Joe didn't – his character the, – the character that he builds up is so good that when they're not given a lot of time – or a lot uh, with the match, and I, this is just speculation, you know. But it's like it kind of takes away from that, where I'm like, you got this fucking scary guy, Joe. You know, just it it wasn't the performance I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. But I like how strong they 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 are selling that Trouble in Paradise kind of knocked him out clean, and then I think he put him in the Coquina Clutch after or something, and so it was a Joe. You know, he stood tall at the end. Kind of keeps his heat a little bit. Yeah, it was fine. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch defeated Baron Corbin and Leslie Evans. This match was twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty minute uh, five, a twenty minute five star classic, baby. Twenty minute probably broke the scale again though. Probably six and a half stars if I had to even actually guess. I hate Lacey Evans. I hate Baron Corbin. Um, I feel that the um, the characters of Becky and Seth, the Lovebird couple thing, I am so ready for that to be over. It just it, they. It seems like they're dropping it now. Yes, it does. Unf- well, fortunately, but unfortunately, too. Yeah, um, which is great. I'm glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, Because, like I said, like Becky's like an in-your-face, I'm fucking running people over. That's what people want. And then Seth is more like, he has to be the underdog, cause especially with a lot of the guys like, you know, like Brock Lesnar. He's a smaller guy, and he has to fight from underneath, and that's where people want to cheer for him. That's where he was getting his fucking biggest reaction when he was the King Slayer, when he was uh-huh. the Beast Slayer and like all this shit because it's like him defying the odds where Becky's the one that's just smashing people. And the, the storytelling of like this match going on and it's whatever, it's fine. And then Becky takes a end of days and it infuriates Seth and he just unleashes three stomps on fucking Baron, like knocking him around with the kendo stick. It's kind of just played out. Like, you hit my girlfriend, I'm going to fuck you. I think what would have been yeah. better is it turn, turn it around. That would have been so much more sick. Dude, yeah. Like, Cor- like Corbin hits the fucking end of days on Seth. It's like, oh, shit. And then Becky just starts unloading on fucking Corbin. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. That'd be great. It makes K- Corbin tap out. Like, that's how it should have gone down. Not like, oh, Becky got hit. Seth, go save her. Yeah. It's like, it's just Becky doesn't need that. She like, doesn't. Like, if She's they would, much better than Baron Corbin. If they would have yes, done the... Is. Like the she gets hit by the end of days, you know. Seth then goes off. What would have been 
even better is then when Seth goes off. Oh, Lacey hits him with the fucking yeah. Then and then like right. and the hits right. him with the alt right. Then Becky recovers, comes and then cleans house too. Yeah, and then makes Corbin tap. And then, that yeah, and then like then like puts Corbin in the deal, you know. Yeah, and then beats up Seth. I don't need fucking saving. right. And that it teases that like goddamn princess. Yeah, dude, exactly. It teases well, that. It's not the narrative necessarily because she got hit with that move. Yeah, I know, but and then it was funny too because on the next night on Raw, they're like, "I can't believe Becky's even out here. She took an end of days last <laughs> night. Like she took Corbin's finisher, like fi- a swinging 20, flatliner twenty hours ago. Yeah, I think she'll be fine. <laughs> yeah." But uh, a day ago, and she's she's fine. Yeah, uh, it was all leading up to the beast in the bank cashing Cash in, in and winning the universal title back. I will say, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And number two, I like that they finally did it because every time that um, Paul Heyman says it's not a this prediction, a, it's a spoiler, spoiler, and he's like, I'm not lying. I've never lied when I said that. He said it, and he wasn't lying. And it, he'll play the thing up like, but am I lying this time? And everyone's like, and I don't then, know. And then, and then nope. It helps because then as a wrestling promoter, this big thing um, that old wrestling promote, promoters you say is save your lies. Yeah. WWE lies to people all the time, mm-hmm. so you, you lose that credibility. Yeah. You, you lose that. Paul Heyman hasn't. Yeah, he's built up some equity. He has equity, so then when he does lie – can be big yeah and he could swerve a lot of people exactly so i'm i'm curious i i trust paul Heyman and his creative direction uh raw felt so much different again because they really did they're moving with so many different like directions than where they were going before and i'm like okay i'm intrigued i'm intrigued the biggest like we'll just get to raw real quick just because i want to say sure yeah um seth winning the battle royal was was good because they don't want to do the automatic rematch so he's like okay Seth still has to overcome everybody else. She kind of had all those other ten guys or uh, nine guys shine too. And they even got me for a second where I was like, "Randy winning this? I was like, Randy gonna win this shit? Randy gonna win this?" Like Big E had a good run. Like Sammy had yeah. a good run in this. So a lot of the stuff was really cool. I think they're they're building up the tag teams. Or they're getting like a division going right. again. I they had them all in fighting. Yeah, and I'm like, great, put them all in one fucking story, and now then branch off those stories, which they're gonna do. So what I'm hoping here now is that we're not going to get another year and a half of, of Brock with the title, which we might. Whatever ends up happening, I hope the payoff is the next champion looks like the biggest fucking star in WWE since John Cena. Like, not like that big, but like, you know what I mean? That winning it off Brock this time is going to be so huge for Seth or whoever it is that, like, they are without unequivocally the top guy of the company. And if they want to go with Seth, I think it's important for him to beat Brock clean without a dick shot. Without a dick shot and yeah. f- and a real underdog story behind him. Yep, I agree. So overall, Extreme Rules was fun. I thought Raw the next night was fun. I thought too. And I thought SmackDown was fun too. Uh, yeah, honestly, great. Um, the only thing that was a miss was that women's four. Oh wow, dude! And I felt bad because it's like they're working hard. They got put in a shit position. Hour three. It's been a long show. A lot of wrestling happening. Twenty four minutes. Man, and that crowd Jesus. was unrelenting, and, like, I really felt for them. That really sucked. Yeah. Like, the match, they were doing what they could. I mean, they were doing what they could, and the crowd was giving them nothing. It was rough. Yeah. And, and rude. And it. someone pointed out that it's the same arena that they held Evolution, the pay-per-view in, and which doesn't necessarily mean anything. I, I will say, though, is you can't necessarily – because they didn't say anything that was shitty – no, they would have. They they've done worse to like Randy and Cena in like yeah. championship matches. 
sometimes you gotta it's not necessarily their fault they got put in that position but sometimes you should maybe like i know they were like oh this is disrespectful sometimes we gotta kind of be a little introspective like yeah you know maybe we could change some stuff that we're doing you maybe and sometimes you know unfortunately you gotta take your lumps and there's there's push and pull and all this right but that was rough yeah but overall yeah extreme rules was pretty fun smackdown raw the next the next clue nights pretty Pretty fun. fun oh and then 205 live jack gallagher Versus Chad Gable. Watch that fucking match. One of the best 205 matches I've seen. Really? Okay. Yes, I will good. watch that. That fucking good. Uh, NXT was also fantastic. Oh, God. I love yeah. J- uh, Adam Cole so much. He's so awesome. Killian Dane's fucking back. Yeah. Murdered the bro. Looking fucking awesome. Oh. Uh, Apollo Crews versus Kushida was great. A fucking Ooh. clinic. Yeah. Wrestling was just real cool. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll skip G1. It's happening for so long, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll, keep, okay. we'll keep caught up on um, it. Has Ibushi won a match yet? Yeah. Okay, good. Jay White hasn't. Did Jeff Cobb and Ishii happen yet? Yes. How was that? It's Jeff Cobb versus Ishii. Nice. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. Um, <laughs> Jeff Cobb versus John Moxley was a little bit. Uh, oh, really? Um, yeah. Moxley go over? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um and then what there's a couple oh oh Ishii uh sorry not Ishii Abushi versus uh um Osprey last night oh yeah but check it out cool what other wrestling was that it did we cap her we yeah, yeah we went for it we one did it. hour and what do we say happens at the end of that hour we talk about death death matches Matt this was your topic and so yeah take it away brother all right thank you. Hi everybody. My name is Matt here, and I, pre- I yeah pre- I'm stepping away from the mic. I put together a little presentation for all. I'm gonna eat a Rice Krispie treat. So why don't you, why don't you uh put a little uh why don't you put a little plutonium in your old uh, flux capacitor, boys? Because we're going back in time, baby, <laughs> to the 1950s. Ooh. Actually, further back. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. No. Isai, uh, you wait in the car. <laughs> um. <laughs> actually, we're gonna go back to the 1930s. I'm still waiting in the car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So I, I tried in the last couple days to put together some sort of comprehensive idea of where deathmatch wrestling really started in the U S and moved its way over to Japan. This is a really brief overview of it, but I actually really excited about what I found. And I went into this being fascinated by deathmatch wrestling. And I'll say this, I came out of it loving deathmatch wrestling. Wow. I think it's performance art for the working class, but we'll get to it. Are we going to be talking about matches and things that have no, happened? No. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about it, but what I want to do is kind of give a brief overview of my findings of the histories of deathmatch wrestling around here and then talk about the controversies of it. There's yeah, yeah, a, it's yeah. a really split idea. There's a there's a, a camp that says the people the wrestlers who do deathmatch wrestling are are making up for their lack of talent w- with a shock factor. And they're not what necessarily, you, they're not necessarily wrong. Uh, but there's a whole other element to deathmatch wrestling where it's like one, there's amazingly talented wrestlers who do it. Yeah. But it's the storytelling stunt show aspect of it that I think draws people in. We'll get to it. We'll discuss it. But in the 1930s, I'll chime in when, uh, yes, please. Yeah. Please. I just, I, the only reason I asked this is cause I wanted to give a warning to people who no, I don't want to hear about, no, we, we won't be talking about anything too gnarly. Okay. Nick Gage any... cut his gut open and almost died because his like guts were falling out. Yeah. yeah. That's about as gnarly. Actually, as Actually he could flatlined be. for a couple minutes. He did. He died. Uh, have you what? Did you watch it? I, I, I saw a gif of him getting, oh. getting his, his artery sliced. <sighs> uh, and it's really fucking <sighs> gross. <sighs> okay. But in the 1930s, a man uh, who would go by the name Wild Bull Curry, all right? He joins fucking Carnival Traveling Circus Wrestling. 
This guy is like just a a, a sh- like a shoot fighter, basically a tough guy, like to brawl. All right, so he's a a traveling circus guy. Quits carnival wrestling, goes to be a cop in Detroit. Fucking doesn't like the cop life. Goes back to wrestling. Moves to Texas. Just like Ali, brother. <laughs> Just like Ali. This man's nothing like Ali. <laughs> He's a modern-day Ali. If you look up uh, Wild Bull Curry, you will see um, a fucking crazy-looking man. But uh, he, So he moves to Texas in the 1950s and quickly rises through the ranks uh, because of his wild and unpredictable style of wrestling, and it just drew huge crowds. Uh, there was a match was in 1955. Okay, Wild Bull Curry and Ray McIntyre. Don't fucking know anything about him. They had a match that got so fucking heated that it incited a riot, and 144 people were hospitalized. Jesus. So this guy's making his rounds through Texas. Uh, He's working, you know, with Dory Funk Sr., like guys like this. And his matches are so wild that they're drawing these crowds, but these promoters don't want to give him the big title they don't want to put like the big strap on him he's not our champion but he's bringing people in so the national wrestling alliance created a title for him oh wow the texas brass knuckles championship sick yeah he held that title 20 times between 1953 and 1967 wow but uh he's just he's wild he's a wild guy and it got people really excited in this hardcore style of wrestling there's other guys too uh, classy Freddie Glassy, uh, these dudes. Glassy, yeah. What? Yeah, I just I picked one, and because this guy, cool, tra- I tracked earlier. Uh, also around that time in the fifties in Texas, Amarillo, you got Dory Funk Senior, um, who created the Texas Death Match, is- which is so boring <laughs> by today's standards. It's a pinfall count and then a last man standing ten count, basically. <laughs> and these matches would go for three to four fucking hours. Like at a time, is that part of the Funk family? Like yeah, Terry Dory Funk. That's Dory Funk. That's Terry's dad. Okay, okay. So Dory Funk Senior created the Texas Death Match. Uh, we could do a whole episode on like the Funks and the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we will someday. But by today's standards, this wrestling is hard to watch because it's slow and it's brawling. But you had the, the they had the fans behind it. That like people they believed, thought it was real. They thought it was real, and these wrestlers kind of. Felt it was real to kind of jump in and like yeah the point where they thought it was real is that they um, the funks actually killed the territory once because um, one of the I forgot who it was shot Dory in the butt oh that's right yeah he got yeah. shot in the butt yeah he got shot but then like they killed the territory because then they couldn't go back and actually just murder the guy yeah and so, right because they they were, or else they'd be exposing that the gimmick there's a gimmick here yeah and so like that killed the territory <laughs> shit i didn't even yeah i didn't know that yeah. um i'm glad you also like read yeah. about that dude uh so th- that's in the 60s okay so throughout the 60s 70s and 80s in the US in the US you have like the northern territories where you have guys like the Sheik you have Abdullah the Butcher uh Bobo Brazil and they're having these matches that are just big bloody brawls Big red equals green. Yeah, exactly. Red on the face means green in the pocket. And they knew that. And in the Southern territories, you got Jerry Lawler, you got Terry Funk, Eddie Gilbert, Bill Dundee. Yeah, You'd have like Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee in in Memphis. Mm -hmm. They'd be doing like fucking uh, fireballs and shit like that. Exactly. Like they would, and they, they would do that. I mean, they would bring the fight to the crowd and they would be improvising weapons and it would just get fucking out of hand. 
And then you have the Puerto Rico territory where they introduce fire as a weapon. Like that's where that's where that got Carlos started. Colon Invader Invader uh, Abdullah the, the Murderer Butcher. Invader. Yeah, Invader who uh, became um, mo- mostly murderer. famous for murdering uh, <laughs> uh, Bruiser Brody. Brody. Another fixture in this. Another another huge one. Uh, Bruiser Brody. If you, if you're curious, uh, there's a if you look up Dark Side of the Ring on YouTube or anything, there's a fantastic little mini docu series about or documentary about Bruiser Brody and, and his untimely death. And Bruiser Brody, Bruiser Brody could get it. He was a hot boy. He was a hot boy. And he got murdered by. Yeah, and invader. then with in the Puerto Rican territory as well, like they had such rabid fans mm-hmm. that thought everything was real. They would throw batteries and bottles of piss at people. Damn. Um, yeah, and, and uh, so getting that juice there was uh, a, mm-hmm. as they call it, the blood yeah. juice, the juice. Piss. Um, no juice. <laughs> that's blood. <laughs> um, getting juice was huge because then you can get those fans just amped up even more, and you see Carlos Colon there just bleeding his face off, and he's the number one guy in the company and on the island. That yeah. was their guy, and they will fucking kill you. They will, like, they had to have security guards for the heels. Yeah, and that's an wild. important, an, an important name from. The Puerto Rican territory is Victor Canones, and he will be making a little appearance later. But for right now, we have to go back. I, re- I remember this weird story where somebody like, wrecked his car, and then they called him out on a bunch of bullshit, and they just said, hey, I left it over here. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but throughout the 60s also, uh, the National Wrestling Alliance also had a working relationship with Japanese Pro Wrestling Alliance, JWA, wherein – wrestlers would you know go work japan Jap- japanese wrestlers would come work here through different like the territory system would be a great episode on its own uh but would do oh, more, i got more, a more i got research. a good brother to bring on for that that would be great brady wrestling.com yeah but um so uh dory funk senior develops a good working relationship with a wrestler by the name of giant baba we're like um super famous wrestler in japan in japan so he yeah uh, boy but yeah the reason why he's called Giant Baba. I want to say he six ten. Um, he was like he was like the main booker for essentially what, um, was like the Japanese pro like pro wrestling over there. Yeah, it was called Jap. So he wrestled for uh Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance (JWA). He was trained by Ricky Dozan, the guy yeah. who brought professional wrestling to Japan. Uh, and then so yeah, Giant Baba in JWA and his his partner Antonio Inoki, oh. uh, they split off. Okay. Antonio, All Japan, mm-hmm. New Japan. Antonio Inoki oh. goes and starts New Japan Pro Wrestling. Giant Baba starts All Japan Pro Wrestling. So with Giant Baba's working relationship with Dory Funk Sr. being what it was, a good working relationship throughout the 60s, Dory Funk Sr. actually starts booking the – brokering like matches of U.S. talent to All Japan, vice versa, Japanese wrestlers to, to the U, uh, U.S., All Japan wrestlers. And so that's where you have like Terry Funk, Dory Jr., um, Bruiser Brody – all these guys going over to Japan, working these hardcore styles over there too, getting interest started over there, and developing this kind of bloodlust in a sense that eventually turned the page. Uh, in 1989, uh, uh, Atsushi Onita, who is a fucking legend in the as far as deathmatch wrestling goes as we know it today, he's the he's the daddy, he's the god daddy. Okay. Of it, he starts Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling FMW. FMW. And that is where, like, they specialize in that kind of hardcore wrestling where they would take the ropes down, put barbed wire around it, timed C4 explosives. Jesus. Like, it just it pushed the envelope so far that, uh, like, it just – that's where uh, – I believe that's where Victor Canones came in. Yes, Vic Canones came in yeah. there. 
and uh, so th- he's the one from the from the Puerto Rico territory that is booking a booker for the, for this company, and it it just creates this buzz around of just like this is fucking violent, crazy wrestling. Um, so there's some pretty big names that worked in in FMW as yeah. well. I mean, you had like deathmatch legends such as like uh, Toshi Anita, Mr. Pogo, but I mean, you, that's where you would also have fuckers like Mick Foley, Vader, like um, Vic Grimes, Tiger Jeet Singh, Terry Funk. Like this is where um, a lot of these matches that are kind of like from the '80s and like the '90s get like a lot of uh, fucking like I can't think of the word. There's a lot of legend behind, a lot of lore behind these. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, is that that is that where Mick Foley lost his year? Um, I want to say it was, was that or was it I, IW whatever. I don't remember. I don't know. But, like, this is where, yeah, Buzz started getting generated about this. And in so in, in 95, Shinya Kojika and Kendo Nagasaki leave FMW and start Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and they push the boundaries even further for deathmatch wrestling to what, I mean, big Japan is still around today and they, I mean like piranha tanks, yep. fucking Jesus. just do wild shit, wild shit that like, you're just like, who comes up with this? Oh, one of the other big names that came over there and they actually brought the feud over to the U S Jun Kasai was, uh, the gladiators, what he was called, but Mike awesome and, oh. um, Masato Tanaka. Oh, okay. Um, Masato Tanaka is still working today, by the way. Wow. Fuck. Well, so back in the U.S. in 92, uh, Todd Gordon found as the founder of Eastern Championship Wrestling. Yep. And in 1993, Paul Heyman replaces Eddie Gilbert as the head of creative, changing the name to Extreme Championship Wrestling, becoming the ECW that we all know and remember fondly. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's where... For better or for worse. For better or for worse. But that's where you get the Sheik's nephew, Sabu, introducing these table matches. Like, introducing these sort of like really interesting ideas, innovative stuff, innovative offense, these hardcore wrestlers that have cut their teeth in Japan and FMW are working over you, exposing you, it to the U S you bring guys like Terry Funk in and you have him versus Sabu in a, um, they had a barbed wire ropes match. Like they did stuff like that. And it was intense. Like, uh, Sabu literally, um, cut into his bicep with a piece of barbed wire and taped it shut. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> It, like crazy. I mean, you would see like matches where they'd have fans bring weapons and you just grab a fan's weapon. And it's just like, I don't know. It's a really engaging atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then in 1998 uh, in New Jersey, you get combat zone wrestling. Okay. Started by John, John fucking Z- Zandig, John Zandig, him and five students, <laughs> Rick blade, TCK Lobo, Nick Gage, fucking Lobo. <laughs> and justice Payne. Wait, justice Nick, Payne. Nick Gage has been wrestling since 98. Yeah. Yeah. Shit is in prison too. He doesn't seem that old. Um, justice Payne's a piece of shit. Oh really? I'm um, assuming some, a lot I'm of these characters are shit wrestlers. As Chuck Taylor actually said, a lot of the deathmatch wrestlers, are some of the nicest guys are just like drunk. Southern guys. Yeah. Yeah. But so, um, so John Zandig and, and these five students of his start working New Jersey in these thing in these matches that they were titled quote unquote, quote unquote, ultra violent wrestling. Uh, and I mean, CZW is around today and definitely the home of deathmatch wrestling mm-hmm. that we know it in the United States. I mean, if you them in IWA mid South, I still think does a lot of deathmatch stuff. Yeah. If you don't like watch a lot of wrestling or know not much about deathmatch. If you've seen the movie, the wrestlers or the wrestler, mm-hmm. uh, that was 
filmed at CZW, right? Yeah, With Mickey Rourke ne- wrestles the Necro Butcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, that's kind of the correlation of where it started in the U.S. to how it moved to Japan. It evolved in Japan to FMW to Big Japan, which is still around today, yes. doing their thing. And then in the U.S., you had ECW that closed its doors officially in 2001, and it, it got brought back. It closed shitty. its doors in 2001. 2001, <laughs> ECW went away. The ECW that everyone loves went away. And uh, in ni- yeah, 98 is when CZW started and is still going today. But like, there's plenty of deathmatch wrestling that spread out from there. That's kind of a brief overview of it, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And so um, with like the the – with the um, ECW coming on board and kind of showing that you had guys like the Sandman, you had guys like Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten who were there who just looked like your just standard mm-hmm. fat, drunk guy who's swinging a chair. Um, something that I'd kind of brought up in our um, text group was about kind of the advent of then backyard wrestling yeah. from that. And I think well, that's well, where a mm-hmm. lot of um, – hardcore and ultra violent and deathmatch wrestling gets a bad name from a lot of people's because people equate it to almost like backyard wrestling yeah because like the um juggler championship wrestling they they would you know they're, they're the ones that did like uh fuck i forgot the hog bloody mania or whatever mm-hmm. and they would like commentate over it or they would just do shit like that um and just a certain group of fan would go out there and get some thumbtacks or or get a you know some barbed wire, get a few tables, and then start backyarding and yeah. bleeding. And so, yeah, it's I feel like it's it's definitely a style of wrestling that's easily mismanaged. But I think it, at its core, it gets such a bad rap being this unnecessarily violent style of wrestling. And I completely mm-hmm. understand that. I don't think I think if somebody's not a fan of blood, not a fan of honestly unnecessary violence, people hurting themselves on purpose. Yeah. Then it's not for you, and it's not for everybody. No. But it's the same way, and it's not the most apt correlation. But it's the same way that punk music's not for yeah. everyone, yeah. and the punk shows aren't for everyone. Yeah. It's like it's it brings a style and an energy to a group of fans that really get a lot out of it. It's not for everybody, but for the people that do d- dig it, it's it's a re- it's a release. It's a release from life. I mean, like it's a stunt show basically that you're going to see of these people who are willing to put their bodies through insane, insane torture. But in, in a way that like nobody wants them to actually get hurt. If yeah. you're at a show and Nick Gage dies, you don't leave being like, what a fucking awesome show. Yeah. No, you, you, because you have respect for these guys who are doing this to their bodies. Joey Janela in that fucking CZW match when John Zandig made his return to do, to redo the, the, the movie did with sick Nick Mondo off the fucking roof. <laughs> down uh like he he takes joey janela off this fucking like 40 feet off this roof into this flaming barbed wire truck if you haven't seen the the gif it's it's yeah. everywhere unnecessary barbed wire unnecessary barbed there's, wire there's this dude on youtube i forget his name uh but he did a great little doc on joey janela yeah yeah i would highly recommend checking I think, that yeah, out go to youtube i think it's called don't please don't die joey janela yeah yeah. Um, but it, so it's it's interesting. I, I think it's definitely valid to criticize that style of wrestling, but I don't think it's it should be so quickly brushed off because I think it provides a element of like trust and intimacy that you're not going to get at a WWE show. It, yeah. to, I, it reminds me of like, you know, going to see a fucking sick band in a basement, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Just like this is unique. Well, attention danger. 
it's dangerous. And it's like, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this, but it's feeding this part of my, my heart or my soul that really wants this release. Yeah. And I mean, to compare it from something I've seen, I don't, the, the suburban fight show we went to at the same field. Yeah. hundred percent. Because it was like in a bar it felt uncontrolled, but the you place, knew the area of Vegas. It seemed like we weren't supposed to be there. Yeah, I felt it legitimately felt like we weren't supposed to be in that building. It yeah. was like in a yeah. bar above an ice skating rink, but like that was all closed. But, <laughs> but I I get that feeling, right? Because like, it feels like, in a way, it feels so out of control and gritty. But then at the same time, you it's it's an event that has promoters and it has people behind it, and you know. Yeah, but that if you knew who John Zandig were, yeah, or, or DJ DJ Hyde, Hyde. God. Uh, it, there's there's an element of danger for sure. Or yeah. for IWA Midsoft, you know who fucking Ian Rotten is, that piece yeah. of shit. Sorry. Yeah, I bet there's a lot of pieces of shit when it comes to yeah. the, any wrestler, any people. But deathmatch wrestling for sure is a breed all its own. Um, and Stott and Joyzy and valid, validly criticized. I mean, validly and invalidly because I mean, you have guys like Drake Younger, who's now a referee for WWE NXT. Mm-hmm who was a huge deathmatch worker and he fucking went in there and had some awesome death matches in CZW and IWA mid South and was just a skinny dude. I mean, um, Chuck Taylor said he, he's seen like pieces of that body, like fall, like that guy's body fall off. He's like seen like, and he almost had his nipple cut off and he'd be there just like in so much pain. And then all of a sudden it's just like, like he'd go to the doctor, get all stitched up, come back the next day. He's like, let's fucking wrestle. Got the greatest job in the fucking world, brother. Yeah. And, Jesus. Ju- and just, it's a, it's a different thing. I mean, if you think about, um, like the way, like the reason why a lot of people do like extreme sports or something that are like, like a thrill seeking, like skydiving, like skydiving something. is because they're looking for this thrill. And there's some people that really just love doing that. And they love putting on that show. They love that art form. I mean, guys like fucking, um, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. I mean, mm-hmm. he came from that era and they go back and they do shit. I mean, even like in his run when he was in CZW and like, in Tournament of Death, I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to do that. Jimmy Havoc now is a big enough star where he doesn't have to go out and do death matches, but you know, they probably fucking will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it creates an intimacy and a closeness that you have with your fan base that is like on that next level of like, if I, if I go to a show and I see some violence like that. I'm like, dude, you're willing to do that for me? And I'm, I'm going to fucking show up for you. You know, that's why, like, when I first started hearing about Nick Gage, and I saw, like, MDK, murder, death, kill, like, gang, gang, affiliated. gang affiliated. I was like, that's fucking weak. And then I was like, no, like, this guy actually, I think, has a a really close connection with the his fans. Oh, he was yeah. one of the nicest people I've met And that's like, what I've wrestling. heard. I mean, like, I, I've completely changed my mind on Nick Gage, and I, I completely – love deathmatch wrestling for that aspect of it that you they they their names tend to rise quicker you know because what they're doing is they more fl- niche they flash is what they flash do. in the pan it's kind of not like uh who's the other guy danny havoc uh is that his name yes. from from czw who retired however not too long ago but you'd have guys like danny havoc you would hear with like guys like Moxley and all these other guys yeah. back in the day, but then you don't hear that shit anymore because it's flashing the pin. Yeah. Like he, he stretches career out like 13 years or something, which is like kind of not a long time, you know, but like what he was doing, you know, like he is a legend in CZW and I don't know. It, it's, it's really a fascinating sub genre of professional wrestling that uh, I, I hadn't really given too much of credit for. And it wasn't really until we went to that suburban fight show that I was like, I love this 
level of, mm-hmm. of violence, like, I don't know, that is consensual between adults, <laughs> uh, that is an understanding between the fans that we stay the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and, and that they're doing this for us. And so we give to them and they give to us. It's a, it's a really, uh, I don't know. I've been really fascinated with looking up uh, Deathmatch Wrestling. Yeah. I, um, my personal thoughts on it, I enjoy it to a point. Yeah. There's only so much of it I can watch. Just sometimes I'm just like, okay, I don't need to see any more of this gratuitous violence. It's I like, do. yeah, man. I think sometimes, like, I, my guess is like the heat of the moment gets so crazy that people are like, they, I don't think the wrestlers give a fuck anymore. And I yeah, think, yeah. It, I think it, it can cross a line. Oh, no. I don't care about lines being crossed. It's just like. No, cross a line of like. I can watch, what, a, I can watch <laughs> a couple matches and I'm good. For myself, it crosses a line of yeah, like, yeah. oh, I don't I don't need to see someone's whole face like almost torn off. I mean, I I watched that entire whatever that one in the backyard with Moxley and where Nick Gage died. Oh, Tournament of Death. I've watched. I watched that whole thing and I was like, I don't need to watch Deathmatch Wrestling for a year. Like I was good. I want it all. I'm so fascinated <laughs> with it right now. It, it's such a it's such a weird niche product. I know I got some friends who are getting into it and who have been into it, and I I go through spells where it's like for a couple months I'm like ah, I don't really give a fuck. Then all of a sudden I'm like I want to watch some CCW. I want to watch some just old deathmatch shit, and I just go through. I'm like hell yeah, and it's so sick. Yeah. yeah. Then other times I'm just like well I I think it's just because I also like just every wrestling. So I'm like sometimes I'm like I want to watch some flippy shit. Mm-hmm. I want to watch some fucking like strong style. So I want to watch five dollar wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if it's something that strikes a fancy uh, in anyone's heart, I mean, th- there's definitely levels you can look up, you know, you don't have to watch everything that's out there, but I think it's kind of worth looking into. And there's some really, really, really amazing wrestlers who have pioneered the art, but, it, and crafted it and perfected it. Uh, that, Oh, what was his name that I was fucking uh, at Sushi Onita? Yes. Yeah. And he, like he had a, Kind of a real stinker of a match against Matt Tremont. Oh, really? Yeah, they came over to the States. It was like last year. Oh, damn. I mean... But Anita is yeah. a huge name in deathmatch wrestling. Legend. Uh, June Kasai was another one that mm-hmm. kept coming up of this guy who just like... I mean, fans around the world and made an impact in, in, in the States too that uh, inspired a lot of people that we know today as, as our like fucking hardcore wrestlers that we love. Yeah, and think about the guys who have done deathmatch wrestling and have... Um, gone on to be like bigger wrestlers. I mean, you have guys like Mick Foley, you have guys like Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Um, like think about them what you want, but Sammy Callahan's like one of the big stars of Impact. Mm-hmm. You have guys like that, Terry fucking Funk. Yeah, like you have these people who have done it, and then have gone on to be like, or like also have done other things in wrestling. It's not just these fat Southern drunk guys. It's it's a weird group of people. Yeah, that go in and will do death matches. Yeah, totally. But yeah, death matches. That's de- so that's a little bit of death match wrestling from the genuine wrestle boys. Nice. Yeah, so next week we'll be talking about the art of wrestling. Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana. Boom. Boom. Um. All right. Let's get into the classic. Classic. First matchup in the wrestle boys classic. Chelsea Green versus Aoka Hamada. So you have a. New superstar, uh-huh. a newer superstar, and a kind of a little bit more of a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and a bit of a different style, too. Definitely different style, especially with Hamada, who comes from a um, a family yeah. of, of workers, and it was, like, in her blood, and she 
wrestled in like Mexico and did a bunch of stuff. Um, retired not even that like not even as long ago as you think. Yeah, uh, I I love I like her style in the ring. She's like really quick. Like she'll she'll throw a fucking spinning back kick out of nowhere, and like I don't know. She uses them almost like like a, like Okada with a rainmaker almost of just like it can just pop and. Uh, she just has a really hard hitting style, mm-hmm. a really unique style and uh, definitely yeah, made a name for herself for many, many years. Yeah. Cause um, she, I'm just looking at the notes ahead. Um, that's cause she started in Japan. She is a uh, uh, Japanese, but then went and worked in Mexico. Damn. And so with that, um, was that common then? Cause I know that's kind of common now. I don't think it was. That's kind of why I picked her. For so the a, a lot of things with Japan, um, that is common. They go on excursion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to pick somebody that uh, had a lot, had done some more work over in Mexico and stuff too, because I don't, I didn't, you know, want represent from all around the world. But she has just a a large career behind her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's held like a bunch of titles too. I don't, I'm, I don't have them written down. I should have done a little bit that's, more. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, I did barely anything this week. But yeah, she, person. So yeah, just like a real hard hitting fucking old schooler. It, yeah, definitely hard hitting, definitely old school. But they still have like that, like, like what you're talking about is like that kind of lucha speed. Like everything it has like that sense of urgency with it. Yeah, which you get from working with in in Mexico, working working that lucha style. Um, she has worked with people such as like um the um amazing or awesome Kong, mm-hmm. whichever one you want to call her. Um, she was also in TNA. And was a knockouts tag champion, um, so that's what they as like their women's tag belts that they had back like in the two thousands. Um, nothing anymore. Um, and then just she is also like a, again part of a wrestling family. It was let's see what it was related to Grand Grand Hamada's her father, mm-hmm. uh, Pentagon Black his brother in law, uh, the recently passed away Silver King. Wait, know. like. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of Pentagon Jr. Sorry. Is um was her ex brother in law. Oh wow. And so, um So okay. there is just a lot with her. She was trained by like obviously Grand Hamada, Grand Apache, and then uh, Aja Kong also helped in her training um over in Japan. And just whenever you can get somebody that can mix the styles that that she can, um, which is gonna be like that Japanese style, which is a little bit more hard hitting, more strong style. And you mix it with lucha, yeah. Where it's like this this speed that can really fucking if you're not paying attention, she can knock your goddamn head off. And then she's also done a lot of work as well in um, like Shimmer and stuff like that, where it's just really cool. She retired last year, so again, like I said, it wasn't like she retired like a yeah. long time ago. She was also arrested for possession of meth. Oh, so there's ooh. that. <laughs> My research I found. Hey man, you gotta fucking go fast. You gotta go fast, bro. <laughs> you gotta go fast. I mean, and so I, I found a random match with her. And uh, Sarah Del Rey, when I was looking up, which was really cool, uh, Sarah Del Rey is like one of the like main producers for the women and oh yeah yeah and WWE, um, which I thought was really cool. And then again, just like looking up more stuff, I saw a uh, what was the other one I saw? I don't remember. I think it was like Courtney Rush and Sarah Del Rey and somebody else, um, and like an elimination match again from Shimmer. I just like was looking stuff up like on my breaks at work, yeah, trying to get a little bit more because out of like a lot of the people here, I, w- I was the most unfamiliar with her, yeah. And so I was just like, okay, we got to, uh, I gotta find some shit. So yeah, 
Yeah. Um, her, and, oh, go ahead. No, no, keep no, going. Go. No, keep going. I no, was no, going to switch gonna, to another person. No, let's oh, do no, it. Go. So Chelsea Green. Yes. My initial reaction is that she's Nikki Cross on drugs. But I think it's done a little better and more cohesive. Yeah. Like, I, that was just my initial thought. So her initial character, when she came into Impact Wrestling, this is where she really got – like she was on tough enough, like the revive, like with Stone Cold and Paige, and that's like the one where uh, Velveteen and Mandy Rose. Oh, okay, okay. That's where they all came from. Was that class of tough enough? Mm-hmm. Um, she was on that as well. She was also. They were trying to do this weird angle where they were saying that Daniel Bryan cheated on Brie, but didn't really go anywhere. She was the like the rehab doctor, fucking this one segment of Raw. It was really weird. <laughs> so she was okay. So she wasn't signed. She was local talent essentially. Yeah, and she was okay. trained by Lance Storm. So you know, she, like it's gonna be some real good training. Yeah. But so when she came into Impact, she was brought in as Laurel Van Ness, mm-hmm. and essentially her character then was like this rich prissy girl. And she was going to be like, she was like the, like, you know, that rich girl. That's like the, just to say like, like the real bitch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so she was marrying Braxton Sutter, uh, Pepper Parks. And the, the, the girl that you wanted to cheer for, the nice one was Allie. Mm-hmm. And so they had this big feud. Is that the Allie? Yeah. Same Allie. Right. So, uh, yes. okay. Okay. Same Allie. And so one of the things that I showed was the wedding <laughs> of Braxton Sutter and Laurel Van Ness where Braxton doesn't go through with this <laughs> wedding and it causes Laurel Van Ness to snap. She has a psychological break. <laughs> okay, so that was too long so I skipped it. So I oh, only watched you, the second uh, one. Oh, you should have The first one gives <laughs> so much more context than everything else. So it gives her this character of the hot mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laurel Van Ness. Let's hear that. Yeah, That's yeah. great. It rolls off the tongue. And so th- her character is just awesome because it's like this just unhinged person. She's in her wedding dress holding like that bottle of champagne, uh, lipstick, lipstick everywhere. wild. Just fucking hair everywhere. Yeah, fucking like, yeah, like Just a, committing an to the fucking gimmick. Right. And that's the one thing that like at first I was like, oh, she's just always a gimmick person. So I even tweeted this at All In and this got like a tweet back from Chelsea Green. Oh, shit. Was... Um, from the WrestleBoys account too. Yeah, You're welcome nice. for that bump, brothers. Um, I was like, I didn't like. I was like, I'm late to this, but Chelsea Green is damn good because uh, one of the matches I posted in our group thread was mm-hmm. the All In Four Way. Yeah, yeah. And she was awesome in that match, yep. hitting like a Canadian destroyer, just awesome moves. And I should have known she was going to be great, even with fundamental stuff, because she was trained by Lance Storm, who was just fucking great. Yeah. And so I became a big fan. Watched her the next night at Warrior Wrestling. I was like, fuck yeah. She is awesome. She is so good. When she has like her half Chelsea Green, half hot mess gimmick on, I loved it so much. And so she plays that line where sometimes, you know, Zach and I have talked about when character when people, especially like in NXT, aren't great workers, they amp up their character so much where you just get a thousand percent character and zero percent worker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a thousand percent character and also a great worker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's like you get this awesome, just unhinged character that you can get with um, the hot mess. You get like Chelsea Green, who can just be like a good fiery baby face. And you uh, that can like if you've ever watched like or listened to any of like the Major Brothers like figure podcast, like she like comes off as such a uh, like a nice likable person. She comes across across as a little bit weird, too, uh-huh. which is great. And just like it's very relatable. And then. Like, especially, like, you see, like, these pictures of, like, her and Zack Ryder, like, mm-hmm. all over Disney. Just, like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, 
I get this. She she seems like a relatable person, but then next thing you know, you see the other half of her face. You're like, wait a second. Yeah, this person's completely unhinged. So I just love the character that she can do, the work in the ring. I feel like she's going to be in the next couple of years another big star. Maybe not the level because where Tessa Blanchard is right now mm-hmm. is where um, Chelsea, like where she is now, is like I think in a couple of years where Chelsea Green can be. And then we're like in a couple of years, Chelsea Green, uh, I mean, sorry, Tessa Blanchard would be like where Charlotte is, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But I think that's kind of just like the next like steps up. Yeah. And so I feel she's going to be a pretty big star, especially in NXT. They know how to work characters really well. Oh, is she signed? Yes. Now? Okay, okay, sick. She was about to start debuting on TV in her first match. She broke her wrist, finished the match still. Damn, the that's right. Oh, yeah. I kind of hope Candace is still there when she starts going yeah. on TV because that would be – that's a good a good feud. Yeah, and um, this is just an aside for everybody. Who's like, oh, I wonder what hell Candice doing? Like, you know, she wrestles like every week, guys. Oh yeah, yeah. And she's in great shape, and her time's coming. If you guys can see on NXT TV. Anyways, back to Chelsea Green. Yeah. I feel that in something like this, having some fresh, like a fresh, different perspective than just like, oh, this is a great worker. That's why they need to go through. Exactly. This this matchup is interesting because you have a a really his like a historyed storied uh wrestler in Hamada uh with all the the training in the world to be a fantastic wrestler against somebody who's also a great in-ring worker but brings so much more character to the ring. Mm-hmm. Um so it comes down to like I don't know, I guess where the preferences lie. I I love great wrestling. I love kind of the history of a lot of things. But I think sometimes you do need to evolve. And when you have something that's so different, and I think that's what, like, when I watched Chelsea Green at All In, I was like, oh, I fucking get this now. Especially like, when you're in person and you fucking get it. That's when I really got Dalton Castle, too. Mm. When I saw Dalton in person, I'm like, oh, I get Dalton. Yeah. So much more. Also, daddy, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just it, everything just clicked. And then seeing her the next night in such, like, a more intimate venue and – not necessarily working like working for like the camera, but like just working for that crowd. It's like okay, I get this. And then also, she she uh, um, offhandedly like has like a mutual friend with a friend of the show, Mike Brown. Oh, oh yeah. nice! Shout out Mike Brown. So your vote is Chelsea. Chelsea Green, uh, your, obviously your pick. Yes. <laughs> um, mine mine's so when I watched Ayoka Hamada, maybe this was my fault for not watching as intently. Um, I now. The bar set that old Japanese women's wrestling has to be Akira Hokuto or better. Yeah. And she didn't blow me away like Hokuto did. And maybe that's because I've been spoiled by Hokuto. Yeah, I really shouldn't have started with Hokuto. <laughs> and like, so I think that that might be a problem, but I think, I think I was more impressed by Chelsea Green from what we researched. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's... She puts up with a giant kid of Zack Ryder in real life. <laughs> honestly, so... honestly, if... To be to be completely honest, if we were putting it to a vote, I would go Chelsea Green too. I picked Hamada because I was also relatively the unfamiliar. Lineage, like the lineage, I thought it would be good to talk about her because, like, also I was when we were researching this, I was researching uh, a lot of lists of you know uh, these wrestlers that you know are, have stood the test of time and, and, and their their matches the, and their the, work. The things that I I got really like about wanting like and I wanted to do something like this for is like even for myself, mm-hmm. like personally, like. 
I've never watched a Hamada match in my life. And nor had I. Until now. And so I I picked her because I wanted us to all to kind of have that experience of like looking into her stuff, learning a little bit more about her. Yeah. But for the sake of a tournament, I think Chelsea Green makes the most sense to go on. Well, and I also, I mean, when I look at my list again, it's like I pick some duds. Like, but you pick people who we're talking about. I pick some just randos just because I felt like it. And like, it happens. Yeah, it happens. But it's not about me winning. It's about. Exactly. That's why I, I'm voting against my pick. Oh but, yeah, I have <laughs> almost every time. <laughs> All right, here we go. Next, next, next match. So we got. I'm my, going with my pick. <laughs> we've song. got Minami Toyota versus Paige. Paige. Um. So I did nothing to research Paige. Um. I was. I had a very busy weekend and was trying so hard to catch up on everything this week, but. I know a little we know, bit about We Paige. know a fair amount about Paige. Um, Paige versus with... um, Emma for the NXT Women's Championship um, was so fucking good, and they were both going for it so hard. Um, I feel like that match kind of gets overshadowed in a lot of the talk for um, NXT matches. Okay. Because there's so much cool stuff that's happening. You got the Bailey Sasha shit. You got the four-way with Bailey Sasha, um, Becky, and Charlotte. You got just shit like that, or the three-way, sorry, with uh, – Sasha, Becky, Charlotte. I mean, you have so much other stuff. Asuka's run. Asuka versus Ember Moon. You got Io Shirai now, Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler. Right, um, right. So yeah. much stuff that in the beginning, you had Paige versus Emma, which was so good. Emma was so good. And Paige, at that age, was so – like, she was like 21 years old or 20 wow. years old. yeah. And was fucking just killing it. Her character work was awesome. She was the quote-unquote anti-diva at that time. I thought she was just awesome. Like, I'm like, this this girl's fucking got it. And she just projected herself like a star. It makes sense because she knew, like, she'd been wrestling forever um, since she could fucking walk, apparently. Yeah, like, a, a huge family lineage. You know, the the Knight family. She wrestled before she was born. Yeah. Oh, God. When Wait, she was did her in... mom really wrestle pregnant? Yes. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, Dude, for the gimmick, brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. Zaya Knight is absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. Um, like... Mostly what I know about her is from fighting with my family. Um, when she – it's it's interesting. Where would she be now if she didn't break her neck? She would be, I think, at, like right at the top of the division. Yeah, she'd be in those talks. Do you, with... think, do you think this thing with Becky might not have happened if Paige was in the picture? Like Hard to say. What if – I mean, what if it was Paige? Like, it, it wouldn't have happened because it's different characters. Okay, okay. And so everything's still uh, – Because uh, I never – when we started watching, I think Paige retired two weeks after when yeah. we started this podcast. And so like, what sucks is like she had some hard times. She had some injuries um, with her neck, and then everything happened like with her back. Um, she went through a couple different drug suspensions and the, the, the whole, scandal. Of... The whole like scandal of everything that happened. I don't want to get into that. Right. No, right. no, no, no. That's, that's a personal That's not life. how we're going to remember. Um, yeah. Everything with them, like with her relationship with Del Rio, which is very unhealthy, which she's now out of and seems like a lot happier of a person. She had battles with eating disorders. Just a lot of really rough things before somebody who, at such a very young age, and it kind of makes sense, like they had – they. Like I said, she was like 20 years old and she was like in NXT. Yeah. It's kind of like that child star thing. It's like when you're raised like that, like you're kind of fucked up. Yeah. And so she yeah, it's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. She was really good. And I feel like she, it sucks that she didn't necessarily get the um, get the really relish in the fruits of like what she worked so hard to do. And really uh, probably didn't even get to, to find that real 
groove and, and, and lead into those big peaks like where Becky's at now. You yeah, know? because like she was there like it was called Team PCB. Mm. Uh, they were also called the Submission Sorority. Sick. That's a good that's name. That's actually pretty sweet. No, it was a name of a porn site. Oh. So that's why they changed it to Team PCB. <laughs> it's like when they called like Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha up. Like the, Becky and uh, Charlotte were paired off with her. I mean, she was she had like a pretty good feud with uh, with Charlotte, but they had some real cringe lines about like uh, Reed Flair. Oh no! Um, and it just sucks. Like I said, she didn't get to necessarily get to like relish in the fruit of her labors. Like right when she had to retire, it's like oh, then there's the Women's Royal Rumble. Here's Evolution. Here's all this. And while she got to come back and. Um, do stuff with Absolution as far as like be like a manager. It just sucked like when she was coming back and starting to work again, and like you could tell like, oh hell yeah, she's fucking working off this ring rust. And it's like, oh, she's coming back from such a a. This is a true life underdog story, and then it got ended before its time. And yeah. so like, luckily, like she, I thought she was great as a GM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like her as the mouthpiece for Kabuki Oscar Warriors. and Kyrie Sane. And so it's cool that she can still be in it, but like it sucks that there's always that what if with her. Yeah, yeah. And it's not her fault. No, yeah. not at all. No, not at all. Um, but Nami Toyota is one of the best wrestlers that's wrestled. <laughs> Dude, she's had a thir- a thirty year career with like ten five star matches. I mean, she's small but the strongest person so the, I've ever the, seen in my life. The, the first match I ever watched was her like of hers was her versus Aja Kong from Big Egg Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched a few of her matches with Aja Kong. It seems like they have put on so many together. Yes, and it makes sense because they have unbelievable chemistry together in the ring. Um, I watched the one against Akira Hokuto, and uh-huh. I was just like. Um, I mean, in awe of Akira Hokuto again, but that she did like that weird, it was kind of a suplex. Like she grabbed her, like it was like a suplex. The Jap- is the uh, Japanese ocean cyclone, like suplex. That's her move. Yeah. It the, was so, the ocean cyclone. Suplex. It was so impressive. Cause Akira Hokuto is bigger than her. Like, yes. like beefier. Well, and and like the buffer. same with like Aja Kong and stuff. She's lifting Aja all around the goddamn oh, ring. Dude. Damn. She's small, but so strong. And, yeah. And like so fast. Yeah. One of the best workers ever. Seriously. Debuted in 87, retired in 17. <laughs> Had uh, like 101 minute matches. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's so cool. And like she did a cur- U.S. stuff that she did was with the promotion Chikara. Oh yeah, and I think that was a labor of, uh, of love for Mike Quackenbush, the owner of Chikara. I think he just wanted to like wrestle with her, and like they teamed together. She was like in King of Trios, um, which like a team of Miko Satamora, like like her team yeah. won before. Like he is a very progressive booker in wrestling. Shout out Mike Quackenbush. Yeah, um, she's just like one of the best wrestlers. Like when you watch her, and like. Um, she's so respected. So that Japanese ocean cyclone suplex that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, me Priestley did that in stardom and it was people fucking lost their shit. Not in a good way. Okay. Because, oh, really? don't because they, do that. because they stole, cause she stole it from, well, Minami. it's probably like people were mad at Kevin. when he did the stunner the first time because it wasn't passed down. Yeah. Yeah. And that is huge in Japan. Yeah. It has to be passed down to you. It has to be given to you when it's something that iconic. It's like um, Chris Hero, I got the okay to do these elbows from from Misawa. Yeah. Like Kevin Owens got the okay to do the stunner from Stone Cold. Uh, I told him how to do it right, brother. 
Um, that was a bad that it's <laughs> I knew who you were doing, though. It's it's like a big thing in wrestling to have that quote-unquote respect. And like apparently she didn't ask her anything. And oh, damn. Toyota is like only passed it down to a couple different people. Yeah. And so she was not happy about it either. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things. It's like she is that respected in Japan that that was a big deal. Um, yeah, she she made her wrestling debut at the age of sixteen. Damn, sixteen won her first title at the age of seventeen. Jesus, uh, like just fast. She just took to it like a fish to water. I mean, like I'm I'm reading through her IMDb right now, <laughs> and it is so fucking long. Her cage, because, her IMDb or cage match a pro fight? Uh, I am uh, no IMDb Wikipedia. <laughs> I was like, because all of her movies too. All, all her matches are basically movies. No. <laughs> Uh, no, her Wikipedia, and it's long as fuck, dude. Yeah, she has like wrestled all over all these promotions. Um, I don't know. And you watch any of her matches? Like, it's just she was one of the reasons as to why, like in the '90s, like all Japan women and like women's wrestling in Japan was gonna be as good. Like, it was it's as revered as it is. Yeah, it's with people like her, people like Akira Hokuto, people like. Aja Kong who are really they set such a high bar mm-hmm. and it's hard to even top it now because when you go and watch like the first time I ever watched that Aja Kong Manami Toyota match for the Big Gang Wrestling Universe I was like holy fuck like this is like this could go on today and I would say this is an innovative match yeah yeah it was like it blew me the fuck away <laughs> and it's, that was like really one of my uh, first breaks into like Japanese women's wrestling is because I always heard um, that was the big stuff. And so Brady and I were like, let's fucking do this. And so we did. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this round, I got to go Manami Toyo. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, I, already, I already put her in yeah. there. Because it's one of those things where it's like with, with Hamada, who is like also an amazing wrestler, I was like, well, with both of it doesn't for both of them to go in further doesn't necessarily have to go on. But Manami Toyota has to move on. Like yeah. just her the the legacy she she's left in wrestling, the amount of people she's inspired, the amount of like people she's worked with and gave the rub to and like helped out their careers. Like she she is a huge legend in in, in Joshi wrestling. It just in, in wrestling in wrestling in general. Yeah. Again, uh problematic uncle Dave Meltzer said that's one of the best wrestlers regardless of gender. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, I'm excited to watch more because I only watched one. Me match, too. Me so too. Because I'm like, also relatively unfamiliar with her. I'm like at a point where it's like my free time. I want to watch Japanese women's wrestling. Hell yeah! It's, That's it's, how I feel about deathmatch wrestling right now. It's the most impressive stuff I've watched. Like, I feel about shoot interviews all the time. <laughs> like, like when I saw New Japan, I was like, oh wow, this is insane. When I saw Akira Hokuto wrestle for the first time, I was like, this is the best wrestling I have seen. Yeah. For me, my opinion. Sure, sure. Like, it's just, it was so impressive. And maybe that's just my internalized, like, misogyny where I'm like, I don't expect much when it comes to women. Because I just of, didn't know it existed. And I didn't know yeah, it existed that yeah. long ago. You know? I, like, I, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. But I, like, I didn't expect women's wrestling from that time period to be so good but i do think you could stack up a hokuto match against i'm sorry to talk about her so much (laughs) against omega okada and i think it could hold its own i think that'd be an interesting thing to do hey um omega okada is the best wrestling match i've ever (laughs) seen in my life and it's probably the best wrestling match i I will ever see (laughs) 
Um, so Chelsea Green and Minami Toyota move on. Yes. Next week we got I think the only match on this card that like makes actual sense. Uh, China versus Lita. Yeah. Did they ever wrestle? Yeah, I want to say that was a. It's probably not a great match. At we'll the get, time, we'll get into we'll it. Get there. I mean, I just listened to an hour long podcast all about China and it was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Bailey versus Mabu, Mayo Shirai. Oh, that'll be a good one. That'll be good. Yeah. This pick will be great. Oh, well, we'll fucking get into this. Yeah. Yeah. So tune in next week. And then, um, Osha, you are the pick. For the next, not next week, but the week the after, following. yeah. For the big deep dive, do you want to shoot your shot now, bro? Yeah, we're just gonna do a little quick one. Orange Cassidy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Jim. That'd be fun. Hot boy Jim. I'm gonna. I want to watch his fire ant stuff. I'm gonna. Does he even have a Wikipedia page? Probably not. <laughs> Talk about hot boy Jim. There's uh, a. There's... I was checking out his was it his pro wrestling tees store. You click on it, it just goes to an error. <laughs> yeah, like doesn't exist. It's well, what it is is like he uploaded the file wrong. Oh, okay. that's the gimmick. That's yeah. the gimmick for sure. And like this shirt was sold at his own website that's from all. his own website. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing an Orange Cassidy shirt right now. <laughs> I'm a fucking mark. Um, but yeah, I just it won't be a long thing, but I'm. It's more so I can research. Him. I'm re- that's There's, what I got. Just, I got a um, an article I will send to you guys. The Please. same dude that the 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 Janela documentary did one on him. I'm gonna watch that. Um, his gimmick just I love it so much. So like that's the thing that I'm most excited about with this new format of our show is learning, diving deeper into learning things about Orange Cassidy, diving deeper to learn about Cole Hot Cabana, Hot Boy Jim. Yes, yes, yeah. Scott I'm, Chuck Taylor's roommate. I'm excited to get into get into it. Talking about Scott Colton. Uh, but yeah, uh, that is that's the that's the ep. That's the episode. I hope you liked it. And if not, suck your own. Thank yeah. you. Somebody um, had to see it. it. We plugged at the beginning, so thank you all for listening. Yeah. Uh, we'll get better at closing the show. No, we won't. No, we won't. We'll okay. Suck your own. Um. And Russell Boys 316 says fuck the border.